Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Whoa, That's Good. Um, I am not Sadie. I'm her mom, and I'm so happy to be hosting her podcast while she is home tending to her two baby girls, which makes me feel a little emotional every time I say that. Um, My baby girl has two baby girls, and um, she's just an amazing mom, and I'm excited to get to do this for her and host her podcast while she is doing that. So today, I I'm really excited to talk to my good friend, Rebecca Lyons. Rebecca is a speaker, a writer, and um, she has a podcast that she does with her husband, Gabe. That is um, amazing, and you should check it out. It's called Rhythms for Life, and she has a new book out that we're going to talk about today, and I have my copy that's like got turned down and underlined and all that because there's so much good stuff in here. It's called Building a Resilient Life. So, um, And more than all of that, Rebecca is a good friend. We've been friends since probably like 2015, so we've seen each other through lots of life, like moves and new kids and adoptions and kids graduating from high school and moving on to college and all the things. But anyway, welcome to where that's good. Thank you so much, Corey. This is so fun. Love time with you. It is so fun. Yes. Anytime we get to talk is really good. I feel like we um, just have so much to catch up on every time because our lives are moving fast. We have a lot of kids and a lot of things happening. But um, here, we're here today to talk about your new book and um, to do what we always do on What That's Good is to hear the best piece of advice that you've ever been given. I know that you've been on here before, so you've already given your best piece, but like your second best. I'm sure there's a <laughs> lot of advice that comes to mind when I say your best piece of advice. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Yes, I feel like we're always in need of good advice. So I would yes. say probably since I was on here the first season, my my advice that was given to me since then was walking through a hard season. And it, a lot of it is in this book. But um, the words that were spoken to me was, you're not alone and this is not the end of your story. And it just mm-hmm. was really helpful for me to get perspective in the moment when the immediate feels really big. So yeah. this, you're not alone and this is not the end of your story. That is so good. I feel like you're speaking specifically to people right now. And if you're watching this and listening to this and you're hearing this and you feel like, okay, that's speaking directly to me, know that it is because we um, actually prayed about this. We prayed just before we came on to say like, hey, what what, what can we share that we are learning that the people that are listening need to learn? So um, yeah, you're not alone and this is not the end of your story. I love that so much. All right, let's talk about resilience because that's what your new book is about. And I love that topic so much. I think it's so important for any time, but specifically for right now. So um, just tell us a little bit about why you decided to write about resilience and um, what's important about that topic for you and for us all right now. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I think growing up as a firstborn, I felt resilient. I wouldn't have had language for it at the time, but there wasn't a lot of things that I didn't step toward. Um, you know, firstborn type A, a little bit of a control freak. I just felt like I would, you know, like to move forward and advance in some things. And of course, this changed when I had my firstborn son at 26, found out six hours later that he had a Down syndrome diagnosis. So as a baby having babies, this was very new. So that was the first time I think I felt like really confronted with grief. And um, and then a decade later, we moved to New York City. And within four months of our time in New York City, I started to have panic attacks rooted in claustrophobia that began on planes and then continued in trains, elevators, subways, and crowds. So that lasted about a year and a half, which eventually became panic disorder. But I wouldn't again had language for it at the time. I was just very, very desperate. And the old Rebecca who could kind of do anything and take, take a mountain just really found her frailty and really crashed. Um, but God drew near. And then um, again, in 2020, it feels like, okay, in every decade, there's some version of adversity that comes. I mean, there's always like chronic, you know, things that happen in life, but maybe the bigger things that are become benchmarks or trajectory shifting seasons um, for me have happened in each decade, 20s, 30s, and now 40s. And I would say the 40s was for sure COVID because uh, I remember when everything shut down, um, our oldest Cade, who again, you know, in the, my twenties was born and that was a really hard year of adjusting and grieving and learning new things and being just novel at everything, just not knowing what I was doing. And then it felt like in 2020, he had the hardest year of his life. And it took me right back to the trauma mm. of year one. So this was two decades later at age 20 he was struggling with what all of us were probably struggling with, but he didn't have words. He's largely nonverbal and um, he's would be considered one who has a hard time communicating and even processing pain and so or anxiety. And so we found his will, window of tolerance just kept diminishing, diminishing, diminishing so much that he would take his unrest out on himself. And so he would, you know, hit himself, slam his head into walls or headboards. I write about this in the first few pages of the book because it was just so scary. And honestly, we would meet with all the psychologists and family counselors and we were like, didn't know how to help him. Meanwhile, we're all home together navigating this as a family. So he's our oldest now 22, but we have a son who's 20, Pierce, who you know, and then Kennedy, who's 18. So they've grown up with Kate and known special needs, but this was like a new reality of, of trauma. It was a new version mm -hmm. of chronic trauma. And I remember um, about 18 months, like there was like even, you know, people were hurt. Like it just, it became kind of vo volatile. And I remember walking in the woods one day with the Lord because uh, of COVID, like there was nowhere else to go, but like outside <laughs> and walk <laughs> in the woods or something. <laughs> And I just said, God, are you going to lift this? Because it had been about 18 months since it all began. And in my spirit, you know, I just, I felt the Holy Spirit just say, not yet, but I'll be here for as many wailing walks as you need. And wow. that wasn't the answer I was looking for. It definitely wasn't like, oh, wow, this is, this might be adversity without an end date. And I mm -hmm. think a lot of people found that in, in COVID because the terms kept changing. Like we're like, we can flatten the curve in two weeks. And then all of a sudden two months and then two years. And we're all finding some version of languishing on the other side of that. And it's partly because in survival mode, you almost, the adrenaline keeps you going, 
But when things even begin to resume, you know, what we would now call normal, we still are not okay. It's not the same. We've, we've almost like your body is able to then let down and you're almost able to post trauma, grieve something that you didn't have even the bandwidth to do because you were in survival mode. Mm -hmm. And so when God said, no, not yet, but I'll be here for as many willing walks as you need. I, I realized in that season, like, okay, God's got resilience that I need to learn. This isn't just for my kids. Cause originally I thought this will be a great topic for next gen, gen Z. Like they've not known like a war or, or I guess they now do, but at the time it's like they hadn't known something more close to them, more um, like just trial or hardship. And, and what I know is that adversity awakens resilience, but you have to have gone through it. And so I wrote it initially for my kids. And then the more I studied it and the more I experienced this prolonged chronic loss in my own life, I was like, wow, this is for me. This is for all yeah. of us. Y'all, I love summertime. It is my favorite season and I'm so excited to jump back in. We are approaching the best time of the year. But no matter what your summer looks like, KiwiCo invites kids and kids at heart to enjoy their first summer adventure series. Kids can receive six hands-on science and art project kits over six weeks, no matter what their age is, with enriching activities that accompany each project. KiwiCo has something for everyone with different topics for each age from space to dinosaurs and so much more. I am so excited about the summer series. We actually are getting this little driver that I know Haven is going to love because it's a little steering wheel and she loves anything active and also a little like neighborhood fun one where they have a water paint thing, which is so good because it's not going to make a mess and Honey is so into painting right now and painting with a three-year-old. Yeah, that's just hard. So I'm excited for the no mess. KiwiCo offers kids a chance to get outside and explore screen-free with projects like the Bottle Rocket Kit from the Summer Adventure Series. They can turn the outdoors into a playground of learning and fun. Every Summer Adventure Series with KiwiCo is a personalized experience that includes real engineering, science, and art projects. And you'll be impressed with how high quality all the materials are. Everything we've gotten from KiwiCo has been absolutely amazing and such high quality. I know sometimes it can be hard to find creative, engaging ways to keep your kids away from the screens and just having fun, but KiwiCo does the legwork for you so you can focus on spending fun and quality time tackling projects together. The KiwiCo Summer Adventure Series is personalized to your family and can be received all at once or weekly for six weeks depending on your schedule. If you like it all at once, that's great, or space it out a little bit. Build the best summer ever with KiwiCo. Get 20% off your your summer adventure series at kiwico.com slash Sadie Rob summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at kiwico, K-I-W-I-C-O.com slash Sadie Rob summer. Spring is a great time to start something new, right? So whether it's cleaning or a new hobby or a new audiobook, a good story is always a great way to start a new journey and Audible has all that you need. I come from a family of great storytellers, so I know Audible is the home of storytelling, which is where I want to be. Audible lets you enjoy all your favorite audio entertainment together in one app. There's always something new to discover or you can rediscover some of your old favorites. Audible has an incredible selection of audiobooks from every genre like bestseller, 
bestsellers, new releases, memoirs, mysteries, and thrillers, business, and more. It is the destination for mind-blowing entertainment with selections of mystery and thrillers that will keep your heart racing. And with next listen recommendations, there's always something irresistible at your fingertips. Plus, members get full access to a huge and growing selection of included audiobooks and audible originals and even podcasts like, well, that's good. So you can download them or stream them anytime, anywhere. Audible members can also pick one title each month to keep from the entire catalog, which is some serious benefits, y'all. The newly included selection of titles makes your Audible membership even more valuable and gives you the chance to discover your next favorite thing. With thousands of titles available, you're definitely going to find something that you love all in one convenient app. So I know some of you are into, you know, thrillers, crime, mystery. And I got to be honest, that's not really been my thing. So I told Bella, okay, Bella, tell me what I could like listen to that wouldn't scare me, but I would like be into it. And she told me about this title called The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. And so I started it and John Luke loved it too. And so I'm just now on the cusp of it. And y'all, let me tell you, it is very entertaining. You do want to listen to see what happened next. So if y'all are into that, Audible is a great place to find those too. New members can try Audible now for free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash Woe or just text Woe to 500-500. That's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash Woe or text Woe to 500-500 to try Audible for free for 30 days. This is a story and this is a, this is a theme that we're going to all have to navigate in the days ahead, not just for 2020 through 22, but honestly, a new reality of how we see the world from 23 going forward. Mm-hmm. I love how you share so much about your own story and your kids and all that. And I just think that it's so important because, you know, that vulnerability, when you do share of the things you're going through, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I see that too. Me too. I've been through things like that. And, you know, we've all been through things. And and the longer you live, I'll be 50 this year, the more you understand that. There's something that you said in the book about how you know your faith grows through adversity. That's actually where your faith grows the most. And I think the longer you live, you look back and you can say like, oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. what you were doing in my life then. Oh, that's how you were growing me there. Um, there's something else you talked about and you touched on it just then, which was about how... Um, you know, different times, we, we see that different times in, in over history, like when there's a war or there's hard times, people come together and it seems to grow our resi- resilience. But this time, for some reason, it felt like rather than us getting stronger in this hard time as a people, as a country, as a generation, um, we might have gotten weaker in some ways. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Well, historically, over the centuries, long before we had social media or even a technology or even the modern evolution, right, um, people still underwent trauma and they might have not had a clinician that they could go hire for an hour and go sit. They might not have had medication that they could take. And so I had to study like centuries. People have had horrific things happen. And yet yeah. humanity is still going, which means they found some form of resilience to keep humanity going. And so um, what I learned is that historically healing from trauma was based on four factors. And the first one was tethered to a clan or a tribe or a community, right? Like people in your life, which is why the last rule of the book is endure together. There's five rules of resilience we'll get into. But the last one is endure together. There is no possible way that you can build resilient lives alone. and Unfortunately, with lockdown, 
we had to very much be in isolation. The second way people would um, heal or resolve trauma throughout the centuries was that they would have um, regulating rhythms in their lives, like just habits and patterns that they were always doing. And so with, again, you're set not only to not be with your people, but also to stay inside or just sit on your hands. Like you couldn't do your regular things that kind of created some sense of purpose, some sense of meaning, whether it was minister or do coffee with a friend or connect or go just work at work, like do meaningful work where you leave a part of yourself in that kind of work. It just all felt like everything was just stopped. And then the third thing would have been um, a belief, like a belief or a value system that you ascribe to, and then some form of um, action that demonstrates that belief. So again, mm-hmm. we like we weren't able to meet together in churches. We weren't even as a household of faith um, able to do that. And then the fourth thing would be like natural hallucinogens from you know like like plants and things like things that we would now call medication or something that would help us with the struggle or the repair of our brains. And, and so now what you've seen in modern day is that's flipped upside down, right? Like the f- number one focus would be go to medication and then maybe get counseling and then maybe um, ask God, invite God into this if you're a Christian or you're someone who has as a person of faith. And then fourthly, yeah, it'd be great if you had some friends. And it's just, a, wow. but we're not made like that. We are very much yeah. communal people made by a communal God. And from the beginning in creation, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Like that happened in the first like beginning of the story. So this is not an optional thing to go like, you can do all the right practices and go to the right counselors and take the medication that helps you. If you're not in relationship, you are not going to flourish and you will not be resilient. Um, And so I think that was why COVID was different, because in wars in the past, you would have people who would go overseas and they would be a tribe and they would have a shared mission. They would have something beyond themselves that they actually had some agency to enact. And so that's why, you know, suicidal ideation tripled in teens in just 12 months because they didn't have any bandwidth to do something about it. None of us really had anything we could do to find yeah. resolve. And we are people who are made to actually make wrong things right, to like take agency, to yeah, try exactly. to redeem what is broken. And when we're told mm-hmm. like, you don't really have a say in that, we'll let you know when what to do next. Humanity is not going to do well with that. Wow. Okay. I'm just going to say, well, that's good because I felt like that just so named exactly what we all just went through. And you might want to like go back and rewind that and listen to it again, because that is a first step in trying to figure out like, how do we heal from it? We do have to kind of like look at like what happened and how do we like shift it? And just, just that understanding that we did, we've kind of flipped the narrative that had that you know how people that builds resilience and yeah. it's so important i love that i had put that in my notes to just talk about that end your your last role which was rule number five was that endure together and how important community is and in this world today where we are so connected um virtually mm-hmm. we are so disconnected physically and emotionally and um how do we how do we change that how do yeah. we um and i think part of that is just acknowledging it and realizing, okay, this is a problem. This is not healthy. This is not the way we're, we're meant to live. And how do we turn that around? Yeah. Um, I also wanted to talk about, because you did mention 
the five rules. And the first one um, is name your pain. And you talk a lot about shame, which I thought was really interesting to, you know, this is a book on resilience and you start talking, you start with shame. So tell us a little bit about that and um, why you felt like that was important to, to, to start off with. Yeah. Well, the five rules begins with name the pain because so often we will internalize the pain, but we never actually put words to it and get it out of our body, which is mm-hmm. why we do struggle with uh, isolation and alienation in relationships because shame separates. Shame makes you hide and shame breaks relationships. So if, if healthy relationships are the first key to having a resilient life, then we need to figure out why we pull away when relationships get too intimate or they start to see your flaws and then you, you just want to hide. Like we all want to show the best versions of ourselves, And even honestly, to the people in our homes, like I Mm -hmm. want my kids to always see the mom who's championing them and supporting them and making a homemade dinner. And yet they see the other side of their mom. And then I go to the closet because I feel so full of shame because I handled something poorly or I just didn't rally in the way I should have or wanted to. And then I can create a narrative internally. Like I'm, a terrible wife or I'm a terrible mother or I'm a terrible friend because I keep seeing all the ways I fall short of the ideal version of who I am versus if I just invited my family into my vulnerability of how this buries me sometimes privately, then maybe they'd meet me there and say, you're not yeah. alone. And this is not the end of your story. Like, And that's what happened in the beginning of the book is I finally was handling myself so poorly as we were navigating Kay those first couple of years and just being home and, you know, addressing things that quite frankly, probably had been dusted under the rug in the, in the name of busyness and going and on mission and all the beautiful things that happens with calling. But, but there's, there's a darker side of that though, if you don't get real honest with the heart with the people who are right under your roof. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of the name, the sh- name, the pain, because I realized my pain was rooted in shame. And the shame was that I would have a shame response, which is very much like an anxiety attack. I found my physiological response to shame mirroring so much what I would feel when I had anxiety. I would um, kind of have a racing heart. I would start to feel like anxious. I would want to run. I would kind of want to get away from the situation just to calm myself down from reacting in a way that would overreact or or say something I regretted. And then I would want to retreat. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, that's what I always do with anxiety. Uh, Or if I'm starting to feel a little bit of claustrophobia, I have those same exact reactions physiologically. And then I got to run and get off that plane or out of that elevator or out of that subway before my body is ravaged in fear. So, so it is more intense in these closed spaces, but the onset was very similar and it was helpful for me to connect those dots and go, there are some things that I need to confess When I started Mm -hmm. finding that I had this physiological response, whether it's with anxiety or even with my people, I was like, God, there is something that has got to get out of my body because my body can no longer contain the emotional unrest that's happening inside. It's like needs to go somewhere so that I can begin to heal. And that's when I told Gabe kind of the words that choked, like I felt like a choking when the words came out of my mouth. And I just said, I'm broken and I'm afraid Mm -hmm. I will never change. And just saying that was, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. It was like, I'm like, I'm like you, Corey. I'm like in my upper (laughs) forties, like I'm right behind you. And I was like, how does it take almost half a century to actually recognize this and then say it out loud? And, um, 
my husband is just amazing, but he just was so gracious. And I think I just needed it so that it would no longer have that power over me. And he just said, yeah, we're all broken. You're just more aware mm. of it. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay. So good. Like just meeting me there um, was mm-hmm. like, all right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I thought I was really alone and in, in right. feeling yeah. broken mm-hmm. and that I should have figured this out by now or just been a better yeah. human by now. Mm-hmm. And that literally was the shifting point for my resilience journey. Like when yeah. I was able to just say it and it no longer say had it. a stronghold yeah. over me, I no longer ran from conversations, hid in the closet and cried, mm-hmm. um, you know, didn't, wasn't more honest with my kids or vulnerable or yeah. like just leading with apologies or saying, Hey, here, here's the things I'm still working on. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter that yeah. you've written a bunch of books or spoken on stages. Like the heart mm-hmm. needs what the heart needs. And right. I'm just glad that I haven't, you know, gone another right. decade without acknowledging yeah. this. That's so good. And Gabe is so right. And I love that. I love that he was able to speak that over you in that moment. So, you know, if you're listening today and you you need to go to someone and say, what is holding you back, what you're really feeling, but make sure you go to someone who's trusted, who has wise who loves you, go to a counselor or go to someone who loves you and just be able to speak the thing that is hurting you, that's holding you back. And I'll let someone speak those words over you that we're all broken. We are all in the same boat. Some of us are just more aware of it than others. I think that's so true and so good. I remember, um, you know, just in our own life, I remember a time whenever I was going through a really difficult um, moment. We had, you know, adopted a new son and our life was busy, crazy and all that. We had just gone on a trip. It's kind of our first trip with like everybody. And um, I was in my bedroom, came back just like bawling, crying. And I don't cry a lot. I'm like, I'm like you. I like I'm firstborn. I kind of hold it all together. Um, my response is not to run, but I get acid reflux and I start to. I'm like, okay, something's wrong. I need to. That's something I need to deal with. Yeah, yeah, that's my body's response. So we all have our bodies do. They respond in those ways. But I remember, I was in the bedroom crying, and Sadie came around, and she just was coming in to tell me something. Just opened the door and so- sees me like bawling in the bedroom. Is like, oh no, like what's wrong with mom? You know. But it was it was such a good moment because a moment for us to be able to it it moved our relationship in a different level with, I think, her and all of our my children to be able to say like, hey, this is hard. This is hard for all of us. And it's not just hard for you. I know it's hard for you, but it's also hard for me. And that's okay. And yeah. I do think just being real with our family mm-hmm. is a first step of saying like, we don't have it all together. Like you said, even though, even if we speak on stages or we write books or whatever, it doesn't mean we have it all together. And there are things that are really hard in life and that we um, need each other and need one another to get through. Um, Another thing you talk about is um, your daughter, Kennedy, and some of her anxiety and panic attacks. And I've been through that with Sadie as well. We talk a lot about that on here. And um, one thing that I've noticed, people come to me and um, ask me as a mama, because a lot of people don't have a mom that can help them through. They may be, their mom may be dealing with her their own, her own things that she hasn't healed from, or there may be, their mom may be absent in their life. So as a mama, I would love for you to just speak to young girls who are women, anybody who is going through that kind of thing, panic and anxiety. What are some things that you did to help Kennedy through those things? And um, mm. would you just share some of that with us right now? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, for her, it started probably at 13 and she's almost 18. So I would say actually end up being 12. So we're at like six mm-hmm. years. And honestly, she's a new creation. It's so wild to see wow. how, you know, and just to encourage you moms or even you girls in middle school, like there's so much raging in your body in this season of puberty and like middle school and becoming an adult, quite frankly. And and it feels scary. And the body does react. And certain ways. And then the moms, you know, for credit for you, you're, you're doing this for the first time too. Like we're all rookies and you might go, I don't feel like I have enough for my daughter because I'm experiencing now, which, because we're only as happy as our saddest child. And so I feel like we kind of meet our kids where they are in the struggles that they have. And thankfully I had walked through some healing in anxiety, not long before Kennedy, but was able to at least offer those tools to her that were working for me. And so what I immediately just in the last book I wrote, Rhythms of Renewal, there are some real uh, regulating rhythms, like I talked about earlier in this in this show, regulating rhythms that we can access immediately, right when we're starting to feel anxiety. And one of those first things is I say, just get up, move your body, get outside. Like just stop the spiral in your room or on your phone, put your phone down. Don't even take it with you for your walk to take a picture of you going for a walk. Like just go outside without a device. And I would say, just try to walk fast if you can, like just elevate that heart rate a little bit. If you elevate it for, you know, about 15 to 20 minutes, that will release serotonin in your brain immediately, which is the happy hormone. And it gives you a sense of regulation and well-being and this forward momentum that gets you kind of out of the funk. So even the movement starts your brain to free flow more calmly versus um, just obsessing in a a loop about the same exact Mm -hmm. thing. So if if it's daytime, I always recommend that right away. Drink some water and then also slow inhale, exhale. So just breathing very slow and then exhale, breathing very slow. There's a lot of different versions of this, but I just say if box breathing is too confusing, I just do like a six beat inhale, hold it for a couple seconds, and then an eight count exhale. And the one way that your body will naturally start breathing deep and exhale is if you do like standing up, do a toe touch. It's it's wild how God made the body that when we bend low or we kneel or we even get in child's pose on the floor, our body immediately begins a, a long, slow exhale. And so if mm. you have rapid breathing, um, move your body in a way that allows you to breathe slower naturally without like forcing it and like trying to count and get all confused because you're anxious. So that those are two basic things. Um but a lot of times anxiety happens at night, right? It happens if kids are in their in their rooms with their phones and they're on Instagram or they're scrolling. So we definitely have always had our kids leave their phones downstairs. We have the RO box where it like everyone plugs in and we kind of, you can even gamify who has it in the box the longest. So that's kind of a fun tool, but just something where they're not having it with them upstairs. But Kennedy has still awakened in the middle of night and come in our room at three in the morning, just gripped in fear. And that's where we start to just with her go, okay, what does God say about where you are right now? And she's got, I've got 30 verses for anxiety on my website that people will go to and download and keep it in their backpack or keep it in their, their briefcase for her. She has it available to her in her room. But just like start saying those verses and you'll find at least two that you just begin to you memorize and you just begin to say them out loud. And then 
what I do too, uh, which I think is if you're a person of faith, this is just so this is God, right? So Jesus Christ himself is the Prince of Peace. And yeah. when we want to have peace in the moment of this anxious brain, this overactive, sensitized brain, I just out loud with my mouth will say, Jesus, I submit to your covering of peace. You are my peace. Not like you give me some peace so I can get through this. No, you are my peace. Yeah. And so I, I reject um, the temptation to be fearful right now. Like I just say no, like in Jesus name, I, I reject and renounce any kind of fear that's coming against me. And instead I submit myself to your covering of peace. I come under your covering of peace. And just by just saying no to this and yes to this in the moment verbally gives you again, authority to go, no, I'm not going to continue to make agreement and let it spiral in my head. I'm going to get loud, take that thought captive with my actual mouth because you can't think a lie and speak truth at the same time. Like mm. the mouth will win. So that's why he's always saying in scripture, confess with your mouth um, because there's power in what you say out loud. And so Kennedy, I'll say, let's pray, but you pray first and then I'll pray after you. Sometimes we pray for our kids, but it doesn't teach them agency to declare with their own mouths. So I say you pray first and then I'll follow after you and agree with all that you're saying. And I will be your mama bear, like in the corner fighting with you. But there's going to come a day where I'm going to ask you to not come downstairs when this happens. And that's where we are now. It's like, God's really wanting to do this, uh, give you breakthrough through him under our roof so that when you head off to college in three months, um, you know what to do. And so that's where she's been her senior year more than ever is just going like, I knew that I didn't want to come down and see you guys. So I worked it out with God. <laughs> like I kind of yeah. went through the motions. And, and so you're actually helping your kid build resilience, like one step at a mm -hmm. time. And that's really how resilience is forged. It's you, you take a little bit of a step into some scary places and then you do it with the encouragement and like the cheering of others, but you do it on your own. Like they show you how to do it, but they don't do it for you. And that's yeah. really important in anxiety as well. I love that you gave so many like practical tips and spiritual tips because, um, you know, God created us. He gave us these bodies. He, he made us in certain ways that the things that we do actually matter. The things we speak over ourselves actually matter. And the things Things that we meditate on really, really matter. And um, we did all this, a lot of those same things, those practical things and um, scripture on the wall. And also, I know one thing you wrote about that I think helped Sadie a lot as well was we kind of went through, okay, here are the physical symptoms of an anxiety attack. And so like, you know, you're not going crazy because I think that is something people feel. They think, oh no, like really is something wrong with my heart or is something yeah. wrong with, is something really wrong with me? But when you kind of like know, okay, this is what happens. Other people have experienced this too. I'm not crazy. There's not something that's wrong with me as far as like, my health, like I'm going to actually have a heart attack, but you kind of can acknowledge those things. I don't know that helps idea a lot to be able to just kind of look through the symptoms and be like, check, check, check. Okay. That's what I'm, I can, I know what I'm going through. So now I know how to deal with it. And there's practical ways you deal with it and spiritual ways you deal with it and contending with, yeah. um, you know, yeah. speaking to the father. About and it. I write in here mm -hmm. in this chapter, uh, the third rule is embrace adversity. It's where you don't turn from yeah. pain or fear, you turn toward it because when you avoid fear, it grows. So yeah. we actually have to come back toward it with these resources, these tools, so yeah. that we actually 
conquer it, that Christ in <laughs> us or our faith, God is the one who helps us through these things. And um, yeah. when I started, I, the, the chapter is called treat anxiety as a friend instead, instead of this backyard bully that you keep running from and avoiding instead going, you know what anxiety is going to do for you? It's going to teach you resilience. It's going to actually yeah. help you realize you're stronger than you realize right now. And it, when it returns, you're going to know what to do. And and that was really helpful for me because I would, my, my anxiety rooted or my panic attacks rooted in claustrophobia. So I would always run from anything small and a plane was one of those things that like you can't avoid. And, um, and I finally over time would, would feel the onset of it. And that's where I would kind of do the practice like Jesus has submit to your peace. And I would just stay calm because it's got to roll. I can't leave. And so yeah. it would roll through my body. And I, and I talk about it in the book that, that the average panic attacker, uh, like it's extreme, it's different than anxiety attack, but it's more acute. Your body responds as if it's being held at gunpoint. So it's more like quick, like the adrenaline, the heart rate escalating in the one sixties, but it still will roll through your body on average five to eight minutes and then it's done. Mm -hmm. And so if you can let your body's adrenaline just go nuts while you're the whole time just saying a Bible verse or you're yeah. listening to worship, I, I wound up realizing, oh, wow, this rolled through my body. I didn't have to pop like a Xanax or anything. I just, just kind of locked in on God and let it roll through. And this one time a couple years ago, I... It, I was still stuck on that same plane on the tarmac for another hour. And once it rolled through my body, I was perfectly fine. And That's so awesome. it almost just yeah. goes to show us that these acute attacks that we have, we, when we avoid and run from them, we never even get to face them head on and see how really threatening they are. And we're getting mm -hmm. to rewire our brain and go, oh, wow, when this comes, I'm going to be okay. It's, yeah. it's going to do this and then I'm going to still be standing on the other side. And man, if that's not a resilience builder, I'm not sure what is. That's so good. I, I was thinking about that as you were talking earlier. You know, your conversation was like, I would run, I would run, I would run. But it's whenever you actually turn and face, that's when you do conquer your fears because that's when, you know, you know that God is with you and you can actually face your fears. It's not about continually running. It's about actually turning to. There was this, um, there's this picture that I have that, um, it was during a, a difficult time in my life that our show had just ended and we just had a lot going on within our family. And um, I remember, so I had gone to Peru and climbed and we were at the top of Machu Picchu, which is, and you come down it and it's like these massive steps. And we had to come down really fast because we were trying to catch our train. And at the bottom of it, I took a picture. We all were standing there taking a picture and I'm standing there and my chest is out like so big and so strong. And I remember just looking at that picture and going like, oh, I actually really like hard things. Like yeah. hard things are good for me. It's like whenever you accomplish something hard, we're, we're kind of like wired for that. We're meant for that. Whenever you do it, this, there's a like a feeling of like, oh, I didn't think I could do that, but I, I did. And I, I feel really good about it, even though my body might be hurting. And it was, I saw, I remember seeing that picture of myself and I was like, you know, I think I want to run a half marathon. I had never thought I wanted to do that before, but it was like this reminder that like, we're meant to do hard things and we actually are stronger than we think we are. And um, I always think about that. 
I just think about that picture whenever I'm going through something hard. I was like, oh, I actually can do something hard. And I can, and you think about like childbirth. It's hard. It's painful. It's all those things, but you get this great reward in the end. And I think just God wired yeah. us that way. And um, mm-hmm. so, you know, maybe there's something in your life that you can ha- go back to a memory of like, oh, I, I made it through that. That was hard, but I still did it. And it was painful. But on the other side of it, look what God did in my life and what God, how he reminded me that I'm meant for this. And, you know, I think sometimes I can help you through the next hard thing. Yeah. One of the um, one of the things that was fun in reading your book was to see um, the chapter uh, the chapter headings. You had a little um, quote, and one of them was Sadie. It was a quote from Sadie, and it said, "Okay, what did her quote say? It said something about you don't have to. Um, you, you get to decide what you think. Something about uh, yeah, her mind. Get, what yeah, was you that? Get to decide." I have it say, right what here. was I think her quote? You get to yeah. decide what you say to yourself. You get to decide what you say to yourself. I love that you had a quote from Sadie in there. And it was such a, a great quote because um, that is something as a mom, I really did really try to teach our kids that what you say to yourself really matters. And those yeah. things that you are speaking over yourself and over your life really matter. And um, one thing I remember when they were little, they would say, you know, Sadie would say, John Luke made me do it. I was like, no one makes you do anything, you know, just mm-hmm. trying to help them to understand that there is, str- they have a strength within themselves, their, their brains, their minds, their hearts really matter. What they speak over themselves matter. So I love that you included that. Can you explain a little bit about that, that yes. chapter about renewing your mind and how important that is? Yes, that preaching to yourself and retraining your brain, it always does happen by our perspective. You know, our perspective shapes our attitudes and our attitudes shape our outcomes. And we always think that we're just subject to whatever comes at us. And God is going, no, actually in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So we're actually invited into this adventure that does require some level of adversity. And so we Mm -hmm. get to decide, you know, what I found for me was that adversity truly awakened what I was capable of. And it also awakened what was worth fighting for. And so it's funny how like the mama bear will come out of me, but it's not just me. I see it in my kids where you're like, no, that's actually not okay. And you find kind of this this truth that just rises to the surface and going, I, I was made for this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to compromise here. I'm not going to believe the lie that I'm always going to be broken in such a way that's irreparable. Um, but I'm going to instead choose to do agree with God and what he says about us, that I'm chosen and beloved and appointed and set apart, that I'm a new creation, that the old is done and that I'm a friend of God and that he delights in me. And when we start to agree with those things, then we're not really even saying things that are original. We're just, we're, we're saying to us what God has said to us. So we're agreeing with him instead of agreeing with something that would try to threaten us or thwart or steal or kill or destroy. And that I realize it's like, oh, so I get to decide what, who I agree with. I get mm-hmm. to decide what I believe. And, um, I think, the mental health crisis that we're living in right now mainly is based on the fact that we don't believe we have a choice to decide what we, what we agree with. And we are hearing so much of a narrative that's going, will you agree with this narrative that you're the most broken, lost, desperate generation? Well, statistics might be showing that, but it is only growing in that way because people keep hearing it and agreeing with it. 
Yeah. And you basically are speaking some things into existence. You know, Mm -hmm. if you've decided you agree with it, then you're going to go along with that. And then you're going to start repeating it. And then in your brain, it's like, that's a new reality. And so I find in my work, when I teach on, um, you know, in different cities around mental health, people will come and go, I didn't consider that I could actually walk away from this just willfully and go, "I, I don't, I don't want to be ruled by fear. And I'm actually going to do something about that instead of feeling powerless to it, instead of feeling powerless to it. So I think that's a really huge part of what we say to ourselves is what does God say and how do we agree with that? I think that's so important. A few years ago, Sadie um, went to a lot of college campuses and, you know, talked to sorority girls and things like that. And she came back and she said, she asked them the question, like, what's the number one problem that you see? And most of them said, you know, mental illness, that's what we deal with. And, you know, I thought it was interesting to me because I thought like it was in a different way than how we experienced it when we were young. It was more of like, we identify with our mental illness. We identify with our anxiety, with our depression, with our body image issues, rather than like, this is a struggle, but I'm going to get through it. It was more of like sitting in it. And I thought, oh, like this is a shift. Like how do we, how do we change this generation's narrative? And it comes with also how we speak over ourselves, that feeling of like, oh, I have anxiety. So I'm going to have that forever rather than like, yes, I I, am experiencing anxiety and how do I overcome that? But it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm an anxious person. That's just who I am. Yeah. The big piece I think about mental health diagnosis is it it's, you know, it's become a phenomenon to have a label, right? The power Mm -hmm. of a label, but the, and I think that can be helpful to define like what's coming against us and create an action plan to combat it. But the problem Mm -hmm. is, is what it's done is it's now gone from being a label to who we are. So it's created a sense of identity. Like I am this, I am that. And the reality is no, that actually has nothing to do with your identity. All it does is give a descriptor for what's coming against you and what you're struggling, like what you're having to navigate. That'd be like saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm always anxious or I'm always messy or I'm always overreacting. No, you just have had some of that in your life and you are asking for support and help and you're getting healthy and, or just saying like, I'm, I've always going to have like high blood pressure or I'm always going to have you know, something wrong with, you know, I don't even know my autoimmune, like in our bodies, if we, if something's wrong, we don't go, I am this, we go, Mm -hmm. well, then how do we fix this? Or what is the strategy or the tactics to go? How do I get healthier? Our brains are the same way. It's like, I have this racing thoughts. I have OCD. Well, it's not that I am this. And now that's the new normal. It's like, this is what I've struggled with. And I found like, even with Kennedy, when she even just changed her diet and like cut sugar for a season, like even the intrusive thoughts stopped. Now I'm not like coming on here as a doctor to tell everyone like this is the key, but it is possible. And it is probable with enough research that I've done that what we're even putting in our bodies 
all the mm-hmm. toxins or chemicals that we can't pronounce on packaging um, is also still our body's working very hard to break that down. And it yes. just becomes another thing that we're having to deal with. It, it just mm-hmm. creates more adversity, maybe unnecessarily for our brains. So I'm yeah. all about science and faith colliding in the same conversation. I, I know God is the master scientist who made our brains and he uses all means necessary for our healing. So I'm always about like, yes, go to the neuroscience, go to the clinicians, get the help, but know that God is actually about that. And he also really wants you to lean into him as the healer, you know, the one who ultimately is going before you, he's bringing people around, he is integral to your healing journey. And what God says about you is you are never defined by whatever broken label is attached to you. You're you're divine, you're defined by God as a beloved daughter or a son who he has entrusted birthright gifts and he del- he's just he smiles on you and he's with you and he grieves with you too. It's not like he's like cavalier while you're walking through really hard things. He he grieves in the things that you're struggling with too. But he wants to pick you up and hold you and be with you and guide you with the right counsel in your life through his word and with people helping you get well, uh, because he knows that you're not alone and this is not the end of your story. That's so good. Thank you, Rebecca. Before we go, tell us um, your website, because you mentioned on your website, there's scriptures, which I think is so important. Um, And I know there's a lot of other really great stuff. So tell us your website, your Instagram, all the things where people can find you. Yes, absolutely. Just my name, RebeccaLyons.com, and it's spelled R-E-B-E-K-A-H-L-Y-O-N-S.com. You can find everything there. And then my handles on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all of the things are also at Rebecca Lyons because I did it long ago when you could still get your name. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Oh, thanks so much. I love you, friend. I love you, So love talking to you. Always learn from you and um, just leave encouraged and inspired by you. Thank you, friend. This is a joy. I'm so grateful for you. Tell Sadie I love her and I'm so glad she's exactly where she's supposed to be right now. I will. I will. Bye-bye. Take care.